Today our encounter uh, with Jesus as we're looking at it comes from the Gospel of Luke, the second chapter. I'd like to just read those verses with you. If you have your Bible, you may follow along. Um, <clears throat> from the second chapter, verses 25 through 35. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus. Actually, that's starting earlier, 21. But then we get back. To, I'll, I'll touch that in a minute. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before the Lord, before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts, and when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. In setting the stage for this encounter that I want to share with you today that brought Mary and Joseph and Jesus to the temple, we need to understand why they came. They came to fulfill what was the Jewish law and the requirements of that day. There were three ceremonies that were associated with the firstborn son. The first was circumcision, uh, which happened when the child was eight days old. Then there was the redemption of the firstborn. In other words, each firstborn son was presented by God approximately a month after he was born, and a dedication was made acknowledging that he belonged to God and that the parents actually then repurchased their child back from God by giving a sacrificial offering. <clears throat> the third rite was the right purification of the mother the scriptures say in the old testament for 40 days after giving birth to the son a mother is unclean and therefore could not enter the temple so at the end of 40 days she would go and offer a sacrifice as a part of the cleansing process now it was these last two ceremonies that brought mary joseph and jesus to jerusalem and the temple now we have a character named simeon who was he? really don't know a whole lot about him, do we? Our passage said she was righteous and devout. But what does that really mean? And usually we think when we talk about righteous, we tend to deal with the legalism, the following the rules of a religion. But what's interesting in the Old Testament is that righteousness is not some behavior in accordance with uh, some ethical or legal rules. It's not something you do uh, to obtain a goal. But if you look at the Old Testament, rather righteousness is the fulfillment of the demands of a relationship, whether that relationship be with another person or with God. And so we all have relationships. We have family relationships. We have community relationships. We have co-worker relationships. And... This is where Simeon, we all identify with him. We want to have right relationships 
with those people. And it says Simeon was righteous. In other words, he had a good relationship with those who lived around him. And he also had a good relationship with God, I believe, because the Scripture told us that he was a devout person, meaning he worshipped God. What do we know about him? Well, we know he was what? Waiting. Now, that's a term that we don't like to think of. We don't like to wait too much today. But what was he waiting for? He was waiting, and the Scripture says, for the consolation of Israel. And you say, a what? And it's just a term. What it was in the Old Testament, the Jews looking for the consolation of Israel was the coming of the Messiah that would deliver the Jewish people from their political and uh, enemies, those that were... Uh, holding them in bondage. And so it was every, what every Jew longed for was a physical type, really, uh, of leader who would rally the nation and, if need be, even by force, to allow Israel to rise up to supremacy. And so what the Jews longed for was this Messiah. We also recognize about Simeon that the Holy Spirit had given him a special insight. It says the Spirit was upon him. And that means that God was taking the initiative to reveal something special to Simeon. He would not die until his eyes had seen the Lord's Christ. What we tend to forget here sometimes is when we're encountering Jesus, we want to go out and encounter Jesus, but we realize God takes the initiative. Sometimes it's not what we do, although that can be important as we'll look on, because I think there's some things we could learn from Simeon. But God takes the initiative. And we see that God's strategy from the beginning is that he would send the Lord's Christ. Do you notice that the scriptures don't say he was going to send Israel's Christ? He wasn't going to send America's Christ? He wasn't going to send Jim Jacob's Christ? He said he was sending the Lord's Christ, which literally meant this was going to be the Savior for all people. For all people. No one has an exclusive right or ownership of God's saving work. Now, when Simeon sees Mary and Joseph carrying their baby into the temple area, what does he do? Well, does he see a newborn child and notice his skin tone, uh, maybe his fuzzy hair, his little fingers? You know, the things that you and I maybe noticed when we went in and saw our son or a daughter who was born, and we saw them for the first time. And you know, you say, oh, isn't he adorable? And you say, isn't she cute? Well, after all, who's going to say, boy, that's one ugly baby. (laughs) But what did Simeon see? What did Simeon see? The Scriptures say he took Jesus in his arms and he saw the Messiah, the Savior. My eyes have seen your salvation. His eyes were open to see beyond a newborn infant that he held in his arms to see the Messiah, the Deliverer of Israel. And what Simon declares is what you and I, Simeon declares is what you and I need to discover that this one named Jesus is the Savior, that he is the salvation of all people, that he is a a light of revelation to the Gentiles, as our scripture says, and for the glory of the people of Israel. Now what this means is that men and women of all ages, of all nationalities, all ethnic groups can encounter Jesus as their Savior. And what that means to me is that I can personally encounter Jesus. Because I realize Jesus was born into an ordinary home. But he brought a whole new way of living. 
What Simeon recognized was that Jesus offered a better way of life. Because here in this child that he held, he saw one who would lift the people of Israel out of the old ways and the old life into new ways and new life. And when God spoke to the nation Israel, um, back through the prophet Isaiah, if you go back into the 45th chapter, the 22nd verse of Isaiah, the scriptures say, Look unto me, and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. And there's that word, look. We need to look. You know, when I was growing up in, the, in my life, I really spent it in the church all my life. I heard all the stories Sunday after Sunday, after Sunday and as I've told you, I had all those perfect attendance pins. I participated in all the church traditions. But I need to tell you, I never saw Jesus. It wasn't necessarily the church's fault either. Uh, it really, more than anything, was my fault. Because you see, I had no idea what I needed to look for, or what I was looking for, or where I would look to find what would be the most important ingredient in life. I looked to sports. I looked to getting a good education. I looked to things. But I didn't look to Jesus. But while I was in college, there was a family that helped open my eyes, and I believe they were the whole, used by the Holy Spirit, just as the Holy Spirit spoke to Simeon in the temple courtyard that day. They helped open my eyes to see Jesus in a new light. Not just a figure in all those Sunday school lessons or stories that we read, but as my Savior. And when I took the time to look at Jesus, I discovered a better way of living. And what did we discover in this child as we begin to look? Well, 1 John 4.10 says, This is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. Or Peter, uh, Peter 3.18, For Christ died once and for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. If we trust, as Simeon did, and if we look to Jesus then He'll save us from our self-centeredness. After all, what is the center of sin? It's I. And I have to admit that for a lot of my young life, my world revolved around I. What I wanted to do, when I wanted to do it, what I wanted to be, what I wanted to eat, where I wanted to live, and how I wanted to spend my time. But the Holy Spirit can open our eyes to see Jesus, to see our Heavenly Father and to see people in a better way. Paul, when he wrote to the Ephesians, said, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you. Or do you recall his words? What Jesus said when, um, or the, that John recorded in his Gospel after Jesus had healed the blind man. And the authorities wanted to try and trap Jesus. And, and they questioned this blind man. And, and the blind man's response was, who had received his sight, whether he's a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, I was blind and now I see. And my encounter with Jesus at the age of 18 is not what sustains me today. I have to tell you that. I came to know Jesus Christ when I was 18 years old. That's almost 40 years ago. It's a long time. But if I kept looking at Jesus only as I saw Him 40 years ago, I would have lost a lot of living. 
What God did give me 40 years ago was a new perspective. Because if I sought to live only by what I saw of Jesus those years ago, I would have just gone accustomed to living. And do you find yourself in that rut? Do you find yourself, oh, boy, where'd that week go? Where'd that month go? Where'd that year go? Where'd those years go? And nothing seems to happen. There's no newness. There's no freshness. And you fall into the same routines. You get up at the same time and you do the same things. What I've learned is that we constantly need to be on the outlook for Jesus. Because friends, I need to tell you, Jesus is around us. He's around us. He's even in this place. The question is, do you see Him? John Ortberg wrote a book, and I'd encourage you if you... It's a really easy reading book. A great book. Uh, it says, God is closer than you think. And actually, if you read the small print on the bottom, if you look, you'll see it says, God is always closer than you think. And this is what John Ortberg said in one line. He said, once you see God in an ordinary moment at an ordinary place, you never know where He'll show up next. That's what we need to be looking for. God has woven Himself into the very fabric of life. His fingerprints are everywhere to show where He has been. And His signature is written all around us. And I believe God literally is crying out to people saying, look, I am here. Now, I don't know, have you ever had your, <clears throat> anybody here had their yearly eye check yet? You know, you go in, you sit in that chair, and they have that big chart in front of you. And if you're afraid that your eyes are failing, you hurry up and memorize it before the doctor comes in so that you figure you can get 20-20 vision. Um, I've sort of done, you know, left, right, up, down. <clears throat> you know what it is? Well, why do you have that check? You know, it talks those big letters. I think it's the big E at the top. And goes down to the smaller. And what it's there is to do is to reveal where you need correction. Where we can see better. And I want to lay out before you that I think our man Simeon in today's scripture reminds me of what you and I can do to sharpen our ability to see Jesus and to encounter Him in new ways. I think we can prepare ourselves to see Jesus. What are some of the things we learned from Simeon? The first one I would say is devotion. Simeon was devout. He was constantly looking. And so it poses a question. How are you looking? And for what are you looking these days in your life? What are you looking for? The second thing was prayer. He was, de he was uh, devout. And I believe he talked to God. And I think talking to God can nurture our ability to see Jesus because it's when we share our needs as well as our joys with the Lord, it begins to give us a perspective. The third thing is we can worship. Sometimes you just don't feel like going to a church or gathering with a group of other believers or men to give praise to God. But we need to realize that even when things are not going our way, when we worship, it enables us to see beyond ourselves, and in the process, we see Jesus. And then watching. It says Simeon watched. He was watching. He took the time to look. And so I ask you, are you taking time to look? Or are you so frantic in your living 
that you cannot see Jesus? Are you watching for Jesus? Or are you watching for something else or someone who can benefit you? To what is your eye attracted this day? And then expectantly waiting. Simeon was sustained through the years by waiting. See, he expected God to reveal himself as Savior. I guess, are you willing to wait for Jesus to reveal himself to you? Are you preparing to see Jesus? Or is yours a Jesus on demand? You know, isn't that you know, they advertise now on the cable, you know, movies on demand. You can, get it, you can get it when you want it. Is that your Jesus that you want? Are you willing to wait expectantly? I believe Simeon is an example of how God honors those who engage in a life of watchfulness. Simeon was a man of patient faith, yet his wait for the Messiah must have seemed like a never-ending struggle to him. How many people must have come before and, and people who claimed to be the Messiah or claimed to be the one, and he was only disappointed year after year. Yet somehow he knew the Redeemer would come. What's interesting, he knew that he would come first as a newborn baby. He wasn't going to come as a great champion with banners, political agenda, violence, but a baby carried in the arms of his parents. So I ask you a simple question. If you'd have been in the temple courtyard that day, would you have seen Jesus? Would you have seen the Savior of the world? Would your eyes seen your salvation that God had prepared for you? How will you encounter Jesus? I don't know how you're each going to encounter Jesus, but are you looking to encounter Jesus? Or are you trying to avoid Him? You see, that's the only two alternatives we really have. Now that you're here and you know that there's a Jesus, you only have two alternatives. One, you can look for Him or you can avoid Him. But that choice is yours. Simeon reveals that those who wait quietly and patiently upon God, those who are willing to worship, pray that God's Spirit will anoint them with the ability to see. So my challenge to you today is be prepared to see Jesus. And it's my prayer that you will see Him this very day. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You that uh, Your Spirit works and moves in, in mighty and strange ways, but we also thank You that Your Spirit works in small ways. Help us to see as we look around us how You reveal Yourself to us. Give us clarity of vision. And Lord, where we need to have correction so that our, our eyes can be opened and see, may Your Spirit work within us. We thank You that You have promised Your Son Jesus to us. We thank You that You have said that He will be here. We thank You that you can say, look, open our eyes. Open your eyes. Father, we pray that we might see Jesus and we might see our Savior. Amen.